All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 70 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Renee and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Hello. <laughs> and we are going to be bringing on a guest for you today. We have Dorian Greenow. And he is actually the founder of Keto Mojo. And you've probably seen us post a lot about Keto Mojo and talk about it in other episodes. So that's the device that Lauren and I use to test our ketones and our glucose um, on a pretty regular basis. So stay tuned for this episode if you really want to hear, you know, we're going to, I guess I would say like um, bust some myths about the ketogenic diet, you know, how some people are doing it wrong, what you need to be doing to be doing it properly, and then why you need to be testing your ketones and glucose to be able to do this optimally. So a lot of really fun topics today. 
Yeah. And it's just such an important, and I think one of the greatest biohacks, we all need to be looking at this and it's a relatively inexpensive way to check in with your metabolic health. Renee and I have been talking a lot about CGMs on the podcast, which I think are wonderful and it's provided so much information and data, but the Keto Mojo is definitely a little bit more accessible. It's inexpensive and I think everyone should have one. So Dorian has worked really, really hard to make these accessible. And actually, I won't, I won't spoil the Keto Foundation, but <laughs> so much great information. And I love that he actually talked about regenerative agriculture. I didn't think we were going to go there, but it's all woven into this beautiful overall picture of health. And it's, uh, it was awesome. An amazing conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We loved having him on. So a little bit more about Dorian. So he actually had a really incredible health journey and I'm not going to spoil it. He's going to share it with you during the episode. But that journey really is what inspired him to give back to the keto community and eventually come out with Keto Mojo. So over the past five years, Dorian has attended and spoken at numerous conferences globally. Dorian and his wife, Gemma, have worked extensively with the ketogenic community to learn and understand the many facets of the scientific underpinnings, which lead to overall medical benefits. They have founded the Ketogenic Foundation, which he will talk about more in the episode, but that really fosters ketogenic education, medical research, and information sharing for the benefit of improving the health of humankind. Dorian and Gemma are just amazing. They're really giving back to the keto community, the whole world. They have such an amazing mission and an incredible legacy so far, and they're going to keep going with that. Anything else before we jump into the episode? No, let's bring them on. All right, let's do it. Welcome, Dorian, to the show. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we've had this one planned for a while, so a lot of exciting buildup for this. So before we really kick off, I just wanted to share, you know, so Dorian and I, we actually met at the Dan Pompa conference in Vegas two years ago, and a little story about that. So, and I don't think I ever told you this, Dorian, but I was listening to Dr. Pompa lecture about testing ketones and glucose. And that was kind of a new idea for me. I'm like, oh, why do you need to be testing both? And how do you do that? And then he says, and if you go to the exhibit hall next door, there's a booth called Keto Mojo. On the next break, I ran over there. I immediately, I met you and your, your lovely wife. And I was just so impressed by what you guys are doing as a couple, as a business. It, I was just in love with the whole idea. I immediately bought my Keto Mojo and I've been using it ever since. So I was just so impressed by you guys and your story. And I would love if you could share your health journey, because I think that's going to be very inspiring for people um, just to kick things off. Yeah. I mean, you know, like most people, you know, you, you, you go through life and then life starts to catch up at you. Uh, I was well, about, this was back in 2015, 45 years of age. My weight had ballooned to over 207 pounds. I was on antidepressants, things, my job wasn't going well. And uh, it was, my life was turning into a bit of a mess. You know, uh, a good friend of mine, Todd White of Dry Farm Wines, he lives with us here in the Napa Valley. You know, he says, you've got to cast out those white devils, get those white devils out of your life. You know, he's got that Southern style to him. Yeah. I love his accent. <laughs> Went a bit of a preacher on that. And I'm like, what do you mean about white devils, mate? I mean, I, I don't do fat diets. And I had seen Gemma do almost every fat diet that there could possibly be. Um, but, you know, I started uh, reading up on the science. And that, to me, became really, uh, you know, I was devouring everything by Volek and Finney and Lustig and Taubes. Uh, I was diving through the rabbit holes of keto for cancer, looking at the works of Miriam Kalamian and Dr. Nasha Winters. 
they're really kind of like going into the whole rabbit hole that is the keto. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of peer reviewed papers and, you know, just when you start looking at it, the science made absolute sense. And so for me, I decided, you know, I'd been, I'd gone paleo for a little while and then I went full blown keto and I was using a, a competitor's meter, uh, well, now a competitor. And, you know, my weight just dropped off. I, I lost over 47 pounds and I was doing keto and yoga and that was it. You know, I wasn't down a gym lifting weights. So I, I think I should be, that's the next thing to go on my list. And it was a game changer. What I found personally for me, when my ketones were between 1.1 and 1.7, that was my, my zone. And I don't, didn't need the antidepressants anymore. And I got that joie de vivre back that I felt was like when I was 24, you know, that I could take on the world. You know, you suddenly get this like, wow. I mean, like, they, they talk about the keto clarity and the fog lifting and all of those things. And, you know, I could speak to them like blue in the face until somebody gets that moment and experiences. And then you're like, wow, yeah. And, you know, that was the sort of like the aha moment where I'm testing and I'm, I'm looking at the strips. And then I'm asking myself, why is this strip $4? Because at that time, you know, if you're buying from Abbott, strips were, were $4 a piece. And so I uh, drew up a list of 100 different manufacturers across the globe. I cross-matched that to the federal regulations um, uh, to see who had the manufacturing technology and, and the intellectual property to do it. And basically, the business plan was test three times a day for less than the cost of a latte. You know, classic napkin business plan. <laughs> Did not run out the full um, uh, Excel spreadsheet, I can assure you. And, and that's what we did in 2017, we launched a meter that with a bucket strip and, you know, it's 75% reducing the price of what's gone on before. And because we felt that the ketogenic community and actually the community in, in it, in the whole needed to have affordable testing. If we have affordable testing and people get a biofeedback, they can adjust um, uh, themselves to be optimized. And this is the really cool thing because ultimately we can then have a market forcing function and we can actually change the farming paradigm. Okay, I just went on a little bit of an arc there for folks, but let me kind of explain that a little bit. You know, as people go on a ketogenic diet, they're having nice quality meats, they're having good quality vegetables, and they're having high quality cheeses and, and fats and oils. And so what you're doing is you're not having people shop um, uh, the garbage that is in the morgue at the center of, of the supermarket. We're now shopping the outer aisle. That's the market forcing function because now we start supporting family farmers in America. And ultimately, the goal then is if we can get a change in farming and we can actually change the farm bill, which is this boring piece of legislation, you know, it amazes me that since the 70s, we've been subsidizing corn, soy, and wheat. We've seen the rise of the obesity epidemic that is in America. For the first time ever, our children have a less of a life expectancy with all the advances in medicine. So here is the great experiment, and it's been done on a massive number scale, and the results are in, and it is appalling. So why are we paying to subsidize what is essentially death in America? What we should be doing is the fox is guarding the hen house. The USDA is promoting those things, and that's causing all of these problems. So we need to change the farm bill, stop subsidizing obesity, 
and actually lower healthcare costs by making people optimized. And so that's kind of my, my ultimate goal to try and achieve. I mean, I just wonder to myself, you know, we talk about brain development. You know, if you look at biohacking and the spectrum that is there, you've got your biohacking athletes, you've got your biohacking uh, optimal self, you've got the biohacking I want a better brain, you've got those who perhaps have either a cancer diagnosis or PCOS or some other region. You know, there's a spectrum across that. But if we come back to its core and we know that ketones repair the brain, like we come back and take a look at it. It's been done for 30 years in epilepsy. Ketones repair the brain and the brain can be better for it. Children are born in a state of nutritional ketosis. If brain development is the most thing, important thing for a child, why would we want to give it carbs? Wouldn't we want this brain to be the best it possibly could be? And so I think this is sort of like as we see the forefront of biohacking happen and we're seeing some doctors like dr dr Sivers and his wife just have a beautiful new baby we're seeing people really starting to look hard at this and say what if because the past ten thousand years we've had cheap carbohydrates and we didn't have that for 2.4 million years before that what is the right food for us and i'm going to add a little piece there if we think about the right food ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier on their own very easily and so they can feed the brain really well but glucose needs a transporter it needs a ship to take it across the blood brain barrier if glucose was our default why does it need a hand getting across why does it need a glut one glut two glut three transporter it, it's not your default is actually a ketone but if you're a glucose burner you can't do ketones you've got to start with ketones and then you can do glucose and then you can be flex fueled you know I want to be a dual field person myself. You know, that's the way that I want to rock and roll. Why do I just want to be limited to one power source? Take two. Much better. Right. Flex fuel. It sounds like a superhero. It's like an <laughs> upgrade from metabolic flexibility. Are you flex fueled? <laughs> totally. I mean, if you think about it, you know, people talk about what is the ultimate biohack. I mean, literally, food is the ultimate biohack that you can have. If you want all those rainbows and unicorns, that's the way to go. And, you know, you don't even need a meter like, like mine to be, to potentially do it if you pay attention. Um, you know, I, I think us is where the training wheels for life, you know, where, where this, there's this thing that you use, the arc that you use it and you learn your bio-individuality because that's a very important piece. What works for me is not going to work for you. Uh, how do you know what your bio-individuality is? I say you can do it without a meter. You can look at Dr. Eric Westman, and he says 20 grams total rule. Well, have you ever looked at what 20 grams of carbs really is? You know, that's getting pretty austere. But what if you could do 30 or 55 or 75 grams of carbs and still be in a state of nutritional ketosis? This world opens up then to a plethora of fantastic foods that is available to you. I mean, I don't sweat my carbs anymore. You know, I Gemma and I have a joke as we say that we save our carbs for wine because she's a certified sommelier. <laughs> and so, you know, that's what we do. We test our wines yeah. before and we test afterwards and we're pretty cool on that. You know, it's sort of like we want to live a very vibrant life. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> I'm so glad you talked about the farming issue because we have done a lot of damage to our food industry. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, we don't need biohacking. We'll just eat normal food. 
but it, it's like we don't even have access to it or most people don't have access to it. And yeah. the farmers have no reason to change their ways. But also when you look at the bioindividuality, it's like these common crops that we're all eating, we could all have a different response to it. So it's so important to, can you talk about the test, assess, address? Like there's a lot of steps to it. And I think people that have tried keto or fasting, they're not testing. They're not looking at the actual data or their experiment. And then they're like, oh, but it didn't work. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you got to start, I mean, for, for me, I started, I, I developed my own personal system. And, you know, there's many different types of keto. You might have the keto, which is super high fat, high MCTs. This is what you might be utilizing for epilepsy or something like that. You have like a moderate, well-regulated ketogenic diet, which is adequate fat, like maybe 70%, moderate protein, lots of above-ground leafy vegetables. You've got your carnivore-style keto um, that now will somebody who's having a cancer diagnosis, we want to do a carnivore-style, maybe, maybe not. There's some things that we could come in there. So first of all, you have to adjust and say, okay, what am I doing this for? Why am I doing it? What is the right way? This is where coaches can really come into play. So for me... My, my was was weight loss. And so like you said, test, assess, address. So first of all, it was the type of test. I would do a baseline in the morning to know what was right for me. When you wake up in the morning, there's a cortisol spike. Cortisol decreases your glucose. And some people go, I got these high fasting glucose. As well, you might need to wait for that spike to blow off. And for some people, it's an hour. For some people, it's actually be a little bit longer. So I would get my baseline and that, that's me. And I do glucose and ketones. Because if you're doing only just glucose, you're only seeing half the picture. Generally in the morning, my ketones were at their lowest ebb and then they started to rise up during the day. Generally as my activity level is going up and then, you know, I would peak just before my evening meal. I actually used a biohack of knowing that my ketones are at their highest by mid to late afternoon. If, you, if you're a business person and you want to do a negotiation with somebody, you want to time it after they've had a carb-laden lunch and you are just hitting your zenith on ketones, they're sluggishly coming down because they're carb-loaded and they're sleepy. <laughs> now when it comes to point of negotiation, you've got them. Their blood glucose starts to crash they want to have another snack, but you keep them at the table and you keep them working with you because you've got the endurance that they don't want to do it. And it's a really nice um, biohacked business That's tactic great. tool. I um, love that. That's yeah. like a courtroom yeah. tactic. Just tire them out. <laughs> tire them out. You know, I mean, mostly I, I'm, I'm doing like one meal a day now. And so pretty much I'm fasted during, during the day and just do that one. So you know, my ketones are, are pushing up. Pretty, pretty good but it's a, that's kind of like one of the the cool little um tactics do. so we might go back to where we were test assess address so i've got my baseline now say for instance i'm starting and going out to maybe i'll use a restaurant as an analogy so i'm going to a new restaurant going to an indian restaurant i've decided that i'm going to eat keto and indian one doesn't easily do that but where you can do it once you get to know so first of all we're not going to do any of the rice none of the naan or anything like that and we're going to go for maybe a a butter-based masala or something like that will come on into play. And I'll test before the meal and then about an hour after the meal. And I'm looking for keeping my blood glucose in less than a 30 milligram per deciliter rise. If it's under 30, totally nice, totally fine. That's low carb. And so that will say to me, hey, if that dish was absolutely fine, do I need to test for that again? No. I've now learned what was right for me and my bioindividuality. I've learned what was right with that, and I didn't sweat what was in the sauce. Do they might use a little bit of chickpea flour for thickening? Yeah. Does it bother me? 
No, for not what I'm trying to do. When I'm also earlier starting, I like to do the same sort of thing. I would do like, okay, let's do a bit of a carb-laden meal and see how long it takes me to go back down. And also, what is my carb edge? You know, how many carbs can I do and still maintain in the state of, of nutritional ketosis? So you've got that test part. Then you're assessing what happened on that. And then you address it by changing your habits. You know, we, we look, and I mentioned before that we're at the training wheels in, in life. You know, it takes you know, a good eight weeks to change somebody's habits. You know, that's why the military go and send all new recruits on boot camp. You know, you're trying to shift somebody's mindset. You're trying to set them up not for a diet, but for a lifestyle that something will carry them forward for the rest of their lives. And that's what we are. That's why we become on and become the training wheels for the individual so they can dial it into their bio-individuality. I've mentioned that word a couple of times and I'd sort of like, like to address it or what I mean by that. There's going to be the carnivores out there like the Danny Vegas of the world that can eat half a cow, have absolute ripped <laughs> abs and still be in a state of nutritional ketosis. But there are some people out there that too much protein will cause them to, um, uh, uh, to have more uh, glucose neogenesis and it could suppress their ketones. It might not put them out completely off ketosis, but it could suppress. And we come back to why is somebody doing a ketogenic diet? If they're doing it for, say, a cancer diagnosis, they want to have high ketones, low glucose, because that's what they're trying to do for their application. So that bioindividuality comes on in there. Like, are you doing it? For nutrient psychology, this is a, a real great advance when we're seeing on, on the biohack front. Dr. Chris Palmer of Harvard um, at University uses nutrient psychology um, for schizophrenia, bipolar, and ADHD. Think of how many ADHD problems we have where we're medicating children. You know, they like yeah, to say, oh, you've got, you got, you got ADHD, you know, that we're going to medicate that. Well, actually, what if it, the child didn't have ADHD? They just had a carb problem. They had a carb addiction because we decided that it was Halloween and we were going to foster upon these poor children massive amounts of glucose to give them an insulin spike, which is causing them to have inflammation into their body and their brains to get misfired because glucose fires up the same pleasure centers that cocaine does. I look at that going cray-cray. You know, it's like, oh, just your birthday. We're going to give you cake. And we're just like, well, it's, would we do that to an alcoholic? Would we do that to somebody who had a drug problem? It's your birthday. Here, have some crack. Yeah, it's a little yeah. evil. <laughs> Let's you, celebrate by uh, turning you off your metabolism. That context, you know, this is the challenge of, you know, having cheap carbohydrates in society. And it's a mental shift there's this mental biohack that has to come on into play to adjust for it but it can be done really um easily you know treats can come in all different areas for me at the end of a meal my treat is an iced coffee with heavy cream i don't need to have that dessert i taste desserts and they are so super super sweet you know your, your palate changes your your approach to sugar it's sort of like when you're tasting it like no no way i couldn't possibly do that and even when you look at some of keto foods i think they're sort of like methadone for the crack crack addict if you if you think about it you know a keto cookie and a keto bar and a keto cake and stuff where they're all little crutches for people to hold on to but you know 
How many it's times just have a you substitute, right? Yeah, it is. How many times have you gone out and had a really great keto meal? We had a great little skirt steak the, the other night. And then that was, uh, and then, then we just did sort of like a broccoli and this cheese sauce. And I'm getting halfway through the steak and I'm like, going, I'm, I'm feeling full here. You know, you know, and it's like, and it's sort of like you, what happens when you have protein and fat together, um, you get that feeling of satiety, but you also get a hormonal release of ghrelin. That ghrelin says you're done. You don't need any more. The same thing happens when you drink water, you get to a point of satiety going like you're done. You don't get to eat they need anymore, but that doesn't happen with carbohydrate because what happens is we can all finish off that piece of cake. Can't we? I've done it. I mean, I used to go going like, you know, typical Englishman, have my cup of tea in the morning and I'll go like, I'll only have one cookie, one bicky uh, with it. And my, my nemesis was milk, chocolate, hobnobs. And, and it said on the side of the packet, one nibble and you're nobbled. They knew it. They knew it right there. They really knew it at that moment. <laughs> they go, okay, I'll just have the one and have one. And then it's like, well, I need a couple more dunkers and I'd be dunking more in, in, in there. And the next thing you know, yeah. I would have pile drive that entire packet in the city on my own and you know and it's not because it was emotional eating it was just sort of like yeah i just like that and next thing you know you've done a massive amount and you've had this really this empty garbage and then you get the sugar drop at the end and then you're out looking for another candy bar after that so now you get that feeling of satiety and you're like you're done and this is how you can get to your natural balance set point because you're getting the correct biofeedback for your for your body uh, right. And, yeah. yeah. I've seen that many times with like the vegans and vegetarians that I know in my life. It's they'll eat a carb heavy meal or carb dominant or just even something like a salad and then they have to have a cookie or a brownie after. I'm like, that just doesn't yeah. make sense at all. I'm like you, Dorian. I'm like, I'll have meat and then I am good with a cup of coffee and some cream. That sounds perfect. <laughs> Yeah. No dessert for me. <laughs> well, well, look, we, we've seen, you know, you know vegetarians, you know, I, I, I fully understand where they are coming from completely. Uh, I do, uh, you know, you know we're, we're eating a sentient animal. Uh, they're, you know, sentient, they're, we're eating yeah. an, an animal, but it's an animal that is a perfect protein. Now, with a vegetarian diet, you've got to be making sure that you've got all the correct proteins and, B and, and the correct amino acids and all of that, and it's hard to do. So if it's hard to do, can it actually be the perfect way to go? Or actually, if it's really easy to do, that our bodies have been designed to have a perfect protein, which we get from good quality meats. And let's take a look at good quality meats. A pastured-raised animal is sequestering carbon about 200 pounds per acre. Also, that land is not being plowed. So there is a beautiful mycelial mat that spreads underneath that is filtering our water for us in a correct regenerative um, uh, pasture land. If we take a look at a rangeland across the, the, you know, America, we can see raptors and elk and wild boar and raccoons, and we can see voles and mice, and, that, and we can see an ecosystem living in with that cattle, cattle that we have in the, in the woodland. But when I go and see a field of carrots down in the Central Valley of California, and I see it devoid of any other animal or any other product that is there, and then all I see is this carrot that is in basically in a desert of soil that's been artificially with organic foods that's being added to it, you then have to question who's actually killing more animals here. And so 
you know, people say it's not the cow, it's the how. It is how that is, that is done. I think we can stack functions in, in the agricultural place, looking at permacultural design on a, on a greater scale, if we look at agriculture. You know, the biohack, as we said, the market-forcing function, it's not just you and your body. It's you and your body and the ecosystem and the microbiome that is out there that we, we live in. That's the ultimate biohack when you kind of like really kind of like get into it. We look at if most of our diet is more fat, which has almost two times the energy per gram than carbohydrates, we can actually transport these things with almost half the amount of journeys, less, less inputs that is needed to actually achieve this. If we think about the actual diversity of the globe, like you can get fats from coconut. Well, they grow on sandy soils that are right by the, the sea and, and, and the tropics. We can come into the subtropics and we get into avocados. Out from there into temperate, we've got all the nut oils that we can get from there. Those are tree crops that are perennial, that they give every year, not annual, not needing those inputs. And then underneath those tree crops, we can now have protein crops that we're going to harvest. And so it's, you know, changing that farming paradigm to me is really important. Some people have asked the question, and I would love to see a study, have not seen one yet, was could keto feed the world? Could keto feed the world if we think about that? Hmm. Because now we've got a nutrient-dense fats, we've got moderate protein, we've got lots of above-ground leafy vegetables. This to me is the interesting conundrum in, in the biohack world. Anyway, that's fine. Yeah. Let's go back to test okay. assess address. <laughs> no, I mean, that's such an important piece. And we, Lauren and I talk about that a lot. We've talked about like the sacred cow book, kiss the ground documentary. Like I think more and more people are learning about the importance of this topic. I, and actually I hadn't heard the, it's not the cow, it's the how. Yeah, that's, that. jo- that's Joel Salatin of Polyphase Farm. I'm not going to take <laughs> credit for, for, for that one in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Uh, look up Joel Salatin. The work that he is doing uh, is fantastic. Um, yeah. Sort of permaculturally inspired. Uh, I'll just give you a, an idea. Is He considers himself to be a grass farmer. And, you know, and so that to me, to him is the most important and is growing amazing grass for his cattle to come on in. He mob grazes the cattle just the same way as perhaps those Great Plains, um, uh, you know, migration occurred where you had lots of animals close together. And he moves them in onto an area for a short period of time and like literally days and then moves them off. So now you've got this trampled down area. You've got huge amounts of, of cow poop that is in there. And then the flies all come on in. But he wants the flies to come on in because they're going to lay eggs into the poop and the, egg, and the eggs are going to hatch into larva, little protein pills that are eating the poop. And at that moment, he then gets his flocks of, of chickens that are in these chicken tractors and he drives them in and he lets the, the, the girls go on out there and they go racing out into the field because they know that there's going to be lots of um, maggots that's in the poop. And they'll scratch that poop around, spreading it, muck spreading for the farmer, so the farmer doesn't have to do that, getting it. That then increases the nitrogen that is into the, into the soil, growing more grass. Because that the cows have eaten the top coat down, it's now slamming off in its roots, sequestering carbon into the soil and building soil at the same time. The Great Plains had the deepest soils in America because of those bison migrating. 
And so what he's using is biomimicry to create it, but then stacks two harvests out of that one area and growing by growing grass. Absolutely fantastic to see that style of farming. Yeah, it's so important. So to circle back to the test piece, so glucose, ketones, I know there's the uh, GKI, right? Glucose ketone index. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like who should be doing it? How do we do it? Yeah, so the glucose ketone index is the relationship um, between your glucose measurement and your ketone measurement. Essentially, you take a, a glucose measurement, and in America it's in milligrams per deciliter. You divide that by 18 to put it into millimoles, and then you then divide that by your ketones. So the question is, why would you do that? Well, this comes from uh, uh, Professor Thomas Seafried of Boston College, and um, he wrote a, a paper on cancer being a metabolic disease because Otto Warburg um, showed that a lot of cancers, the majority of cancers, actually feed on glucose in an anaerobic environment within the cell. And this is how that they can multiply. Now, if you've got lots of glucose in our body, this allows for the cancer to multiply at a pretty good one. So Professor Seafeed was like, well, hold on. What if we are able to starve the glucose and so starve the cancer? Um, so he was looking at glucose can bounce around a lot. Anybody who's used a CGM, you can see how much it can actually move during the day, especially if you're on, you're on your carb on a carb treadmill, you know, eating snacking six times a day. As it go up, as it go down, as it go up, and it, it bounces around from one measurement to another. Ketones can be kind of like steady and, and rise on up. So if you take the two of those together at a baseline in the morning, you actually get a much stabler number that you can work with and here to get a, a gki say under one is really really hard i mean you're, you, you this is sort of like um, severe caloric restriction or multi-day fasting to really get that blood glucose down you know blood glucose normalized you're looking to hit trying to hit for 83 um but then fasting you might get into the 70s and the 60s but if you're in the 70s and the 60s, for some people, they'll be, well, when I be hypoglycemic? Well, you're actually protected because you have ketones. Ketones protect the brain so you don't get any of those symptoms of hypoglycemia. This is how Dominic D'Agostino was using uh, exogenous ketones to protect the brains of Navy divers so they don't get seizures. So this is kind of like the, the beauty of it. Hold on. If ketones actually protect the brain, then we can actually use it for the betterment of ourselves. So he's looking to get that, that number really down. So a number under one, really hard to get. You look, this is for a, a cancer diagnosis. One to three, you're in a very high GKI state of ketosis, very therapeutic. Three to kind of like six, you're in a moderate state of um, uh, GKI ketosis. And about six to nine, you are just in a, you know, a, a new nutrient state of uh, ketosis. Above nine, you're not in the GKI. Now, I want to be very clear that somebody could have a 0.5 on their ketone levels, and according to Volick and Finney, they are in a state of nutritional ketosis. But because their glucose is a little bit higher, they are not in the GKI ketosis. So again, it's the application of and use of that data set. You know, this is this is the important piece. It's why it's your why that comes on in into play. 
So you raised up about the GKI, and that's just one data set. But let's take a look at glucose and ketones. I mentioned glucose generally, you're looking to be about 83 is what you want, is the perfect glucose. And remember, there's always variability on meters. They always bounce around a little bit. I mean, essentially, you're trying to analyze one-fifth of a drop of blood. And I know people get hung up about that on their numbers sometimes, but if you really want to get a good day set that is within 2 to 3% of actual, you need a $30,000 bench analyzer in which to do that, a YSI or a Ranbut. But you know, in your home, you've got a $45 machine do expect to see a little bit of a difference between those two pieces. You know, I sort of like think of testing is sort of like archery. Your strip is your arrow. Your meter is your bow. Your control range is the target that you're aiming for. And, of course, there's the archer themselves that's controlling the externalities. Air is the enemy of it. So when you're looking at your glucose You've got to be 83 is roughly where it is. Don't want to have more than a 30-point rise. If you're finding your fasting glucose in the mornings is over, over the 100s, 120s, 130s, you know, you've got to have pause for concern there. Once you get into the 140 mark, you're beginning to get into pre-diabetic uh, areas, and that's a cause for concern. Ketones, on the other hand, obviously zero, not in ketosis. You know, as you first start your journey by testing, the cool thing with a uh, with a meter is you can see how your body is changing over those periods of time. Uh, you get 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0.3, and then you're sort of like, oh, I'm getting closer, and then 0 0.5, boom, you're in Ketopia, as well I can finally say, and that's like the, the, the moment like that, look, I'm there. Then the question is, what is right for you? And it will change over time. I've seen people first start, and their ketones go through the roof, and they're all like, rah, rah, you know, like, I got all of these ketones, and that's great. That means your liver is producing lots of ketones. But is your body receptive to take those? It can take up to 12 weeks for you to become fat adapted. The, the, the Volcan Finney did the, the faster study on athletes. And so you'll see that you know, your performance as an athlete could actually drop off when you start a well-regulated ketogenic diet, and then it comes back up. Because on a cellular level, you're actually changing your mitochondria. You know, these powerhouses, these batteries that represent a massive amount of your body. You're changing yourself on a cellular level to be able to take ketones as your primary source of fuel. People have sometimes difficulty in sleeping because their brains are like, whoa, suddenly I've got ketones. And, like that. and you know, it settles down. I mentioned about uh, Dr. Chris Farmer of Harvard, you know, he's, when he's using nutrient psychology and putting people on a ketogenic diet for schizophrenia and bipolar. Now, we've all had it where, you know, you get ketones flowing and then you start doing all the housework and you get like, you know, like get into the flow state because you're feeling really, really great. Well, that's cool for us, but it's not cool for somebody who could have hypomania. And he kind of like works them through that and say, hey, look, it could get worse before it gets better. But once their brain settles down, once the repair that the ketones does, they get into a much better state. The same thing that happened to me when I got off of the antidepressants. You know, I didn't have the deep despairs that I would have before, the feeling of you being useless and, um, uh, and, and, and the anger and fits that I had. And it, my life became, you know, more moderated and then an even keel. And so this is how... It, it, can, it can change you in, on, on, a, on a massive cellular level, which I think is where the ultimate biohack comes, is because you can test for this.
that's the point. I cannot test for a vegetarian. It's not, you know, there's, there's not, the blood doesn't lie, but the, you know, so that's the beauty of this here. You've got absolute feedback. So right. there's a, there's a cool thing when we talk about absolute feedback and this is for coaches. Uh, it happens really, really well. The testing of ketones is accountability. It's a gamification. And that is where the coach can win through telemedicine and other areas like that. This is why Verta Health, they use our meter test for both ketones and glucose. They are very focused on the glucose. The glucose is much more of their important number than the ketones. The ketones means they're eating and being compliant to what they need them to be on a regular basis. That's great. That's that accountability. Do you know 28% of people don't even take their medications? But if 28% of people don't take their medications, how on earth are you trying to get people to eat the right way? So this is how the ketones do that. And then the glucose picture is what for uh, reversing type 2 diabetes, it becomes the more important piece because a ketogenic diet is prescription strength. And I repeat that again. It is prescription strength. It works so quickly that the biggest worry for Verda Health is de-prescribing, getting people off of medications. When have you actually ever heard doctors say that to you? Oh, we're going to try and get you off the medication. Now, this is the beauty of it. This is obviously probably a thing that could scare big farmers. Like, hold on, you're going to get people off these medications? Because guess what? We love it when you get a type 2 diagnosis because you're going to be our patient for the rest of your miserable life. And it will be miserable because it is the long goodbye. You know, it's right. 15 yeah. years. They're hooked in. Yeah, it's 15 Versus years. just saying, here, use this medication for a couple of weeks while we get you on this diet that's going to reverse yeah. it And then reassess. <laughs> and then reassess and hopefully get you off. Test, yeah. assess, and then address those no. different pieces that you're doing it. You know, there's, it's too um, much I work think, for them. <laughs> yeah. In Canada, they're actually looking to try and find a way that people could go on a ketogenic diet and just walk into their pharmacy, get a test, and that pharmacist be able to de-prescribe for them. It's that powerful, wow. that quick. And I think we're going to see this, this happen more and more as, as the data sets come out from, from what Verda Health have done with their study. It's going to be Mm. But now I feel like the ketogenic diet has been pretty popular lately, right? It seems like 2018, 2019, everyone and their mother tried it, but there were a lot of keto fails, you know, (laughs) I did it for a month. It didn't work or, you know, they're not, I think one, they're not testing Two, I think they're not giving it enough time. I mean, three, obviously there's a lot of misinformation. Now you said 12 weeks. Is that the average for people to become fat adapted? Yeah. About that roughly. For people need to... That was, from the Fi- that was from the Volokh and Finney study. Yeah, you've got to really, if you've got to get in, the, if you're going to get in the game, you can't dip your toe in. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll recount yeah, most story. people do a month. That's nothing. You know, 30 days is just not enough-ish and not. I'll address that bit too. So I'll recount a story that a friend of ours came in one night and he go like, I'm keto, look, I got my bulletproof coffee. And then oh, was no. still <laughs> eating carbs at the same time. Just because it's got Ugh. keto on the label does not make UK keto. Like it's sort yeah. of like, you know, in a state, being in a state of nutritional ketosis, it's sort of like you either are in ketosis or you are not. Uh, it's like being pregnant. And you can test for that. And you need to be over 0.5 on your ketones. That is the key. Many people do keto wrong. You know, they'll, they'll start off with um, the urinalysis strips. And they're good maybe for maybe the first week. But urinalysis sort of like is because there's, there's three types of ketones, acetoacetate, acetone, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. I kind of like think of them like a backing group of singers. You've got 
the two, two ladies either side, acetoacetate and acetone. Uh, acetoacetate is about, represents about 28% of the energy that is in the body. It moves really quickly into beta-hydroxybutyrate and shunts in there because it's, a, it's an instable compound. Acetone represents about 2%. That is this expressed in the breath uh, a little bit, sort of like an exhaust of uh, the exhaust of metabolic rate, and then you have beta hydroxybutyrate, the big base in the middle. Do you know what I mean? It is a very stable compound. It represents about seventy percent of the energy in the body. It is easily measured to a FDA and ISO standard. This is a medical standard of repeatability and controllability um, that is known uh, globally. So you know the data set that you're getting is correct. And so what happens with acetoacetate is it gets spilled in your urine to, to begin with, and you go like, oh, I'm in ketosis. But then after a while, your body is beginning to adapt. And then it doesn't get um, uh, spilled and then you get despondent going like you're looking at your strip going i'm not in ketosis i must be doing something wrong and you're trying to adjust but you're adjusting in the wrong way uh, and then you get despondent and then you're like stuff this and you're under 30 days and you haven't really made the change so that first 30 days is really important but i i said that i said that yes and no on that because we talked about it being prescription strengths uh, we have seen with people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease that in a short period of time, like in 14 days, you can start to see massive differences in the liver because the liver uses fat de novo, and that means you can actually change that in a rapid state. Now, obviously, just because you can change it in 14 days, you can't go, well, we've done it, taken care of you, now go back to your carbs because you're not dealing with the underlying problem that you started with. And so this is how... You know, you need to adjust yourself over time. This is why we say, I like to say to people, you, you've got to go into this for a full 60 days. Commit. Game number one is work out your macros. Why do I say work out your macros? Some people say macro counting, calorie counting is stupid. The reason why I say work out your macros is because you have to understand them first. And you'll be surprised that people don't understand the difference between protein, fats, and carbohydrates. You will also find that people don't understand where carbohydrates hide in all sorts of food. So I ask people to track their macros so that they can get an understanding of what they're eating. And we actually have a nice free macro calculator on our website on the top left-hand corner. That's game number one. Game number two is get your carbohydrates down. You know, start off maybe 30 or 40 total, something like that is the way to go, and start to test day one and say, where's your baseline? Because what we're looking to see is, are you beginning to create ketones? Are you getting into that, that state? If not, you might need to drop down. If you're seeing the ketones rise up, that's great. When you first start getting into nutritional ketosis, is difficult. It might take somebody two or three days in which to do it. So you're just trying to see that change. So now you've got the gamification of getting into the state of nutritional ketosis. But you're still not metabolically flexible. And it's easy for you to get kicked out. So you have to maintain your discipline now for that 30 to 60 day mark and work out what is right for you. Now, as your weight starts to come off, like mine did, I started to readapt my macros about once a month because my weight's coming off, my, my caloric total daily uh, energy expenditure changes. So I would adjust those macros down. And that's just saying, hey, I roughly need to be eating this amount that is right for me. But, you know, because you now get this biofeedback loop of the ghrelin and the satiety from the fats and proteins, you kind of like now start to 
do the boat by feel. So, and you cast off the need to be tracking your food and tracking your macros, unless you're into that kind of like thing. You know, some people really want to get into those macronutrients, which I think is fantastic. Chronometer is an awesome product to do that. And by the way, we actually um, release an integration on our new meter with Chronometer, so your data set can come into that tool, which is with our My, My Mojo Health Cloud. So now you're tracking your macros, you're testing it, you're seeing in your case of nutrition ketosis. If your sleep is getting better from your aura ring, that's absolutely fantastic. You know, there's some great um, uh, online platforms like Biocanics and Heads Up Health where you can start using all of these data streams to come into place. And you know, why would you want to do data streams? As a business person, I look at my PL and my balance sheet every month. When do we do that for ourselves? <laughs> Our business is so important to us that we'll look at it every month. But our life is that we don't, that we, we, we have that hubris that we just can go around and be absolutely fantastic. No. We should be looking at this on a regular basis. This is the kind of biohack. And with the wearables and different pieces that we have now, it's, it can be a pretty eye-opener as to how we can change ourselves so well. And they're at our fingertips. And we can do it remotely through telemedicine. I imagine the day that, you know, so say somebody has got a cancer diagnosis, you've got your primary care physician, you've got your oncologist, you've got your, your radiologist, you've got your coach, and you've got your nutritionist. And that morning, boom, you do a test, all the data set comes down, real-time telemetry to everybody so they can see what is going on with that individual. The radiologist knows that an appointment is coming up. We want to have a nice amount of ketones in the body to protect the body against the radiation prior to that radiology being done. And that, and they're, they're getting it. The coach is making sure that, hold on, I want to look at everybody who is at risk today Who's got a blood glucose at 130 and 140? I need to send a message to them and say, hey, you know what? We're concerned about your blood glucose today, but you were tracking in chronometer, and we saw in the last 24 hours you ate this. These are our concerns. Instead of taking a pill, come back and see me in eight weeks, we're now being proactive in changing people's habits, changing people's lives. And that, to me, is the beauty. It's just a habit-forming piece. That, that comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be, be the beauty of using technology for good rather than to just stalk people online and send them ads for things to buy. It's like we're actually using data for good. So I love the biofeedback part and the gamification. I feel that when I test, it's like, like this morning I had 0.5 ketones. So I was like, yes, it makes me want to stay in. And my GKA was eight. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good, but I want to like keep going. I love that. And I, it was like without even trying. So actually was um, making me think about a, a myth that I would love for you to debunk. Ooh. And I, just before I go on, like I think your website is really incredible. So for our audience, go check out the website because the resources are so endless. But so the myth I want you to talk about is exogenous ketones. Can you talk about what they're yeah. actually doing to the body? Yeah, so exogenous ketones, mainly ketone salts, but now there's different types of uh, exogenous ketones. So exogenous means outside the body. So ketones that are made outside the body and you can ingest them. So they can come in salts, um, they can come in esters, and they can come in diesters. So I'm trying to do this in the simplest way. There are two types of beta hydroxybutate, the D and the L, hands. This is my right hand. This is my left hand. They look the same, but they are actually different. 
because of the way we have our thumbs. Exactly the same thing happens with beta-hydroxybutyric. So now you've got different types that are used in the body. So exogenous ketones, there will be a huge amount of vitriol on social media on this one here because there will be those who are the fours and those who are the gains. Again, I come back to is what is your why? If you are using, uh, are looking to do a well-regulated ketogenic diet for weight loss, why do you actually want to bring in additional exogenous ketones? Yes, they might be a crutch for you to use in those first few days to get maybe through keto flu, but keto flu is really an electrolyte imbalance. Bouillon, salt can take care of that. Now, a well-regulated ketogenic diet is adequate fat, moderate protein, lots of above leafy vegetables. What do I mean by adequate fat? Well, if you are overweight, you've got plenty of fat on your body. If you are in a state of nutritional ketosis, you have the ability to metabolize that fat for use. So do you need to be pushing the fats? No. Do you need to be pushing exogenous ketones? No, because you want to use the fat on your body and change that into ketones for you to use for, for weight loss. Do you go use exogenous ketones maybe before radiology? I think Dr. Nasha Winters might actually think that that has an advantage and that has a place. Do you want to use exogenous ketones perhaps being a sports person? Well, that's way up that aspect. You can actually get a one millimole rise of ketones, one to 1.5, using C8 MCT oil, um, which is caprylic acid. And that costs about 37 cents. On an exogenous ketone pack, it will cost you five bucks. So being the frugal man that I am, knowing what I do, I'm like, well, if I get myself into a state of nutritional ketosis, if I do want to get a millimole rise of that, I can just pop that MCT oil. Then we're seeing the forefront of some of these diesters that will be coming on out, which I find really interesting. They'll be coming out as supplements first and the same as exogenous ketones. But you know, I would like to see how much they're fun- funding real science. Could a exogenous ketone help somebody with Parkinson's as a drink or multiple sclerosis? Perhaps they could. Where's the data set in that? It's really hard because clinical trials are very, very expensive. But would that help that person? Maybe with somebody with Alzheimer's who's not being very good about their diet because they keep forgetting about what they're trying to do. Could this help them have a better quality of life? Potentially. So the exogenous ketones is a a contentious space, I think, sometimes because of the multi-level marketing that's been done in it. But I think that as more science comes and gets delivered on those areas, they'll be finding more use and application within that world. And here's the cool thing. You can take some kinds of vitamins and supplements, and you don't really know that they're working. But you can take an exogenous ketone, and you can test 20 to 30 minutes later, and you will see those exogenous ketones running through the body because we can measure those. So there is a measurable return that you can get from that. Did that actually explain my, my position? I'm, I kind of absolutely. I want to be the Switzerland here of exogenous ketones. No, yeah. I love it. I guess just for our <laughs> yeah. audience, because people are so interested in keto and I would say it's more of a, a everyday population, not like the high performer athlete or someone dealing with a disease. If we're trying to become fat adapted, can you just do this last little bit about what exogenous ketones are doing to our fatty acids in relationship to the glucose? Yeah. I mean, what will happen when you take exogenous ketones, you actually see that you can get actually a 10 point drop on your glucose a little bit. And so that kind of like, you know, exogenous ketones can actually assist sort of like 
a little bit in kickstarting your liver to being into a state of nutritional ketosis, but it's not fully. You know, you can actually produce more in your body than you can by putting it, putting it in there. So I'm either or. I mean, I, I do like personally myself. I I do mix up a little bit because I have I. People give me this stuff all the time. I mean, I've got more. I open it up. I open up my cupboard. I've got all this keto stuff flying out of me, and I don't use most of it. But I do. I do like when I'm doing conferences and stuff like that. I do a little boost because I want to really get that mental acuity. So I do add a little bit in there, and I just I cut it down because usually they have too much sweeteners in it, and I don't like it. It just kind of like gives me that little bit of a tickle. Uh, and so you know, that's how I use it as um, person myself. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. It's almost like the extra upgrade. Like, yeah. You know, don't be like taking them if you're still eating fast food. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, but you know, I also like when I talk about C8 caprylic acid, don't go chugging that. Otherwise it's going to be disaster pants. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Too much. Uh, too a lot much. of that have experienced that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was the joke, never trust a keto fart, but that's only because people like push the MCT oil, which I, I look at that going like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, be very careful. Work up to it. I want to come back to yeah. um, a thing that we mentioned about and a little bit on psychology, you know, in fasting and you know, doing 16, eight fasts or alternate day fasts or long-term fasts and how uh, a ketone meter can help you with that. You know, fasting is a physiological game and a psychological game. There's two things that's going on with, within your body. You know, I do um, pretty much one meal a day, but we like to do a therapeutic fast maybe about once a month, every couple of months. Uh, we've actually done five days um, for this. And the question is, well, why are you doing a five-day fast? What's the point? Well, for us, it's autophagy and apoptosis. This is where your body cleanses itself in the most natural way it's been designed to do. You know, when we renovate our kitchen, we don't just bring in new countertops and everything. We have to take the old stuff away first. That's autophagy. You know, so first thing what happens is you start fasting. The first thing is you're going to start is this autophagy is going to kind of, kind of like come on in round about 18 hours in, 24 hours in is when we're really beginning to start. And then we start to, to peak on up after that in the, that autophagy. But then what happens is you then have this massive increase in human growth hormone, HGH, about a 1,200% increase in HGH. And this is where the beauty comes in there. This is where we get putting the new counters in there, getting the new organelles and the new cellular pieces. Now, some bodybuilders will do that eat, stop, eat method, where they will stop eating for a while. They're doing this autophagy. They get this rise in HGH. Then they hit the gym like hard, hard as they can. And then they come and eat and have that protein to repair on that. So this is how you can get swole on keto as well. You can also cut yourself down using a keto cut for power to weight ratio. So when you're doing a fast, especially an extended one, as you're trying to build the fasting muscles for that extension of, of time, so you have the physiological. Normally my ketones is 1.1.1%, but when I'm fasting, I now come up into the threes and up into the fours. So now I see my ketone levels are coming up, my glucose levels are coming down, my GKI is coming down, I'm beginning to get into the zone. But then there's Pavlov's dog ringing that bell and you get that, that mini kind of like hunger pang that comes in or you'll find yourself reaching into the refrigerator. And then at that moment when I do that, I'm like, am I hungry? And then I test. 
Now I test and I suddenly see I've got 3.5 of my ketones. That tells me I've got twice as much energy than I normally have in my body. It's along between 1.1 and 1.7. So am I really hungry? No. It's Pavlov doll ringing the bell. It's the psychology game. I then go and have myself a little glass of um, fuzzy water, make myself busy, and that, that wave passes through. And now you can move on through and get yourself super busy for, for the rest of the day. And then next thing you know, you've gone to bed and you've woken up and you've suddenly moved the needle by another 18, 24 hours. And this is the beauty of how a meter can help you at that moment. Am I hypoglycemic? Well, let's take a look. Maybe you're not. You just got that feeling because what you think is hypoglycemia could actually be because you've got more ketones in your body. Your mind is racing. You're not used to having being in this position. That's test. Don't guess. And I think, you know, if we talk about different layers, you know, keto being the, the, the unicorn and rainbows, fasting is, that's, that's the level up. That's when you kind of like, you're, you're into that amazing zone. And yeah, remember, so powerful. Yeah, and we can break a fast anytime we like. It's our choice. This is not famine. You know, there's the, 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 the Aboriginal talk about the little hunger and then the great hunger. We, in our lives, hopefully will never understand what the great hunger is. That's famine. That's terrible. That's horrendous. And the little hunger is how we've been designed. Like, if you think when we went back two million years, you go to sleep at night and the herds moved on. Now you've got to wake up and now you've got to go after the herd, but the herd keeps moving. So the next day you get up and you've got to go move on. We've been designed to go two, three days, easy, four days, five days, six days without food. Not a problem. Uh, Dr. Ian Lake in England just did the 0500, which was zero food, five days, 100 miles. They had an Olympic runner. They had two type two, type one diabetics. They had doctors on, on the team. And they're doing 20 miles a day, amazing recovery because ketones are muscle sparing. And they did a, a hundred miles in five days. It's almost a marathon every single day. And they were testing with our meters all the way along to see what their data set was like. It nobody had a hypoglycemic episode. Because flex fuel. I love it. <laughs> there you go. Flex fuel, and then you can be zero fuel. That's that's even more important, you know. Uh, to me, that's that that's the piece. This is where you get, you know, a really super boost in life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to test. I I used to think that I was hypoglycemic. I, if I went three four hours without food, I would have that feeling. The keto mojo was what proved to me: no, you're not hungry. No, you don't. Your glucose is not low. That right. is physiological response. So I have retrained my brain to, you know, think differently about those signals, whatever, whatever they are. And actually fasting has been so useful and I'm, I'm really excited tomorrow. Tuesday is always my fasting day. I'm excited to use my new keto mojo. I've been out of ketone strips. So tomorrow's going to be a fun one. Okay. Some, some new, so on the new meter, you know, we've been working this last year on changing our app. We've done agile development every two weeks. A little new feature has been done because we were marching towards the release of this new one. So that we had a really great feature, a rich app where you can chart your um, ketones and your glucose. But more importantly, we've built a secure, HIPAA-compliant, encrypted health cloud. It's on two continents, both Europe and America. And using the MyMojo Health Cloud Connector, uh, you can now actually connect to other uh, apps like Chronometer and Biocanics and Nutrisense and Senza. 
and the list is growing. I have a list of 30 that I'm trying to interconnect with right now. And then our goal is actually so that you can have these data-driven outcomes. You know, I, I imagine a world, can you imagine with, with if all of our keto community is testing and then we can aggregate this kind of like data together and we can clearly, uh, using evidence-based guidelines to show, yeah, look at this person's triglycerides actually came down like that. Look, all the things, biomarkers from metabolic syndrome came away. Look how their inflammation changed and look how these athletes did better. You know, with this kind of data-driven, it's how you really come through instead of like the, I get really irritated by the epidemiological studies like the Framingham Nurses Study. Uh, have you seen that Framingham Nurses Study? Like they yeah. give you a questionnaire to say, what did you eat? A questionnaire. How, how do you know what you ate last week, last month, last year? And you know, like, what was that? Yeah, people don't that? remember. No. And then, you know. Well, they just want to get through the questionnaire so fast. They're like, I'll make it up. Right. <laughs> But this then forms the foundation of these so-called science to say, hey, what, what's going on? Not data-driven science. And that's the problem with epidemiological mm. studies. So, you know, I, that, this is why we built that, so that there would be the tools that is out there, because nobody had done that. Because our mission is how do we lower the cost of testing? How do we make it more affordable? You know, three times a day, less than the cost of a latte, that's fine for America. We can afford a latte. But what happens in Indonesia, what happens in Pakistan, what happens in India, where we are seeing the rate of obesity rise at an exponential rate because they're using this Western diet. You know, they're aspiring it as these big um, uh, multinational corporations come on in with their slick marketing. So for us, it's like, how do we make that more affordable? That's why we, we fundamentally changed a lot of things on the new meter they're individually packaged instead of being in the vials because we get much greater heat stability that is on that. We've actually taken it up to 65 degrees Celsius, 149 degrees Fahrenheit, and baked it for two weeks without degradation because we have to think about how we're going to ship in the last mile when I don't have cold chain. I have cold chain all the way through from manufacturing into my warehouse where I have it here, but in the last mile, how do I deal with that heat? How do I deal with the humidity, which is a massive problem for, for testing, individually wrap it, I can control the humidity, I can control absolutely everything that is there. How can I lower the cost? On our new meter, we now lowered ketone costs by 20%. Let's put this into context. I launched in 2017, it was $4 a strip, and we launched at $1 a strip, which is a 75% reduction. We've, on our new meter, again, reduced that down by another 20%. And we believe on this platform, we'll have a, you know, a scale and cost curve that we can get it to change over time. I mean, it used to be $60. It's now $45. But you get all of these other things with the app. The setup, so much easier. Oh, my God. Do you, do you, remember, do you remember your old meter when you had this thing and you had a flip open the back? It's like something out of the 80s, you know. Like, yeah. Find the little <laughs> yellow button, press the yellow button, wait for the beep, use the front button and go like this, move it for uh, Nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah, it's so easy now. I hate reading instructions. I don't have the patience. And this, I opened it and it was ready in 10 seconds. No reading required. No, you just, you downloaded the app. You then pulled the tab at the back and you press the sync button, a date and time, everything set, ready to go. You open up the strip and we've already made changes on the strip packaging to make that easier to open up. Um, the first, it's interesting, you know, because you're FDA and, and ISO bound, there is legal, you have to do shelf stability tests over a long period of time. We needed to get it to market quickly. So we put a desiccant strip in there 
did the test on that whilst we were trying to find a, a spray liner. So we already had worked on trying to get the spray liner, but we're now having to do those shelf stability tests. So there's a we've already updated and changed it, and they're they're, they're easier tear open. But it's it was a change that we had to have. But now you just take Very the cool. strip, you put the strip in. There's no code keys anymore. When we used to have code keys to impart the linearity of the enzymatic batch, that's gone. You just put the strip in, Tesco, eject it, put another strip in, and away you go. It's super easy. And we, we even changed – this is the kind of like the, the, the stuff that I like to geek off. How the blood travels up that tube is via capillary action. This is how trees get there. Um, uh, the water to go up to the top of the tree. And capillary action is done by the atomic attraction of the electrons coming together, wanting to be together. That's how it wants to be together. That is your capillary action. We actually changed the dimensions of that tube to create it so the blood went up there as fast and as quick as we could so that the moment it moves on up, it hits an electrode that says, now it's time to test. The other one was sort of like, slowly would meander up there a little bit on an angle and we could get fill errors so we try to design out fill errors so every step was how do we make it better easier more reliable more repeatable more controllable at a lower cost those were the things that you you, you try to do um so i'm i'm pretty chuffed with the team you know did we get everything right no because Nobody's perfect, but, you know, for that, we'll change it on another one. But you get locked in with the FDA, and then it's a two-year cycle time, roughly before you can bring out something new. But we'll, mm. we'll get Yeah. Well, I love that you're constantly improving it. I mean, you're really trying to make this accessible for everyone. You're trying to educate people around the world. Again, ketomojo.com is amazing. Um, Doreen, I, I would to, love... Can I touch oh, yeah. one more thing there? You know, yeah. Your old meter is not obsolete. I've had people who are like, oh, you've just come up with a new one. My old one is obsolete. You know, what? you know what we did? We did a trade-up program where you can trade in your old meter for just the cost of the new strips, which are now 20% cheaper for free. We will trade you up into the new one. Plus, we also give you a recycling envelope that will take that meter to a secure, HIPAA-compliant medical waste recycling facility so it doesn't end up in the landfill. And we know that there's no pathogen transfer to anybody out there. We don't want these meters being sold secondhand in in other places, which some people might want to do. So we've actually given everybody a trade-up program so they weren't left behind. If you're using the app, we invite 6,000 people every day who are using the app to do it. If you're not on the app, just send an email to support at ketomojo.com. If you're on our email list, we'll send you already emails. And if you bought from Amazon, you know, not anything like that, just tell your peeps. (laughs) Ask about the trade up. We did not leave anybody behind in that. I'm actually losing money on that one, but that's a great thing. You mentioned about our website. You know, when we talk about metabolic disease and problems, trying to fix people who are who have already had the damage is difficult. But I love what you guys are doing because you're trying to get to them before that. You're saying, hey, be a biohacker, change your world. Prevention is so important. And that's why you know, we create 15 new recipes every single month. We um, have how-tos, we have guides. Uh, I don't know if you guys have checked out our Low Carb USA series. I license from Doug and Pam Devine, who run Low Carb USA, every single video they have ever done. Uh, 147 hours of video 
Taubes, Lustig, Volick, Finney, Calamian, Neisha, Winters, you name the list of the greats within the ketogenic community, they are on there. It is all for free. You want to go down a rabbit hole and biohack your way through on all these different areas, there'll be some fantastic stuff for you to do that. Because what we wanted to do is like what you're doing is if you can get them to prevention, if you can give people the information, you can affect change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for putting that together. Like I was saying before, I think the misinformation around keto is so detrimental to all the people trying it. So yes, go to ketomojo.com if you want to experiment and learn more. Yeah, it's great. You'll be on there for hours and then you will yeah. not regret a second of it. It's so great. And yeah. I, I want to, can I do one last thing? Cause I know I'm terrible on, on this. I want to talk a little bit about um, our foundation. Gemma and I. Yes. I wanted to ask you about that. So yeah. The goal of the ketogenic foundation is to fund clinical trials and studies uh, and education for the efficacy and use of ketogenic therapies for the benefit of, of humankind. Uh, this to us is really important because uh, what we found when we're talking to clinicians and researchers is they're all pleading poverty. So like we, we don't, nobody's funding these studies. You know, you know Coca-Cola and Nestle are funding huge amounts of studies on the eat, eat less, move more world, which is just like the dumbest of things because you cannot, <laughs> you, you cannot outrun a bad diet and you cannot outrun insulin resistance. And, and they're not even right. taking in the, the county, the insulin uh, aspect in this. But anyway, so when we realized this, we were like, well, what can we do? Um, so we have funded it with seed funding right now, about half a million dollars that is in there. That goes into an endowment for perpetuity. But um, releasing in the next, I think it'll be 40 days, is we'll actually have a marketplace where we're going to introduce our friends in the keto community. And if you click through and you purchase something from that, uh, instead of Keto Mojo taking the, any of the money or 100% of, of any affiliate commissions from that, will actually go through the, to the foundation. So that, you know, we talk about the market forcing function, how people can change the world by what they buy. This is our goal. And um, we're very happy that one of the first grants that we've done is to the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners to get them set up. And this is where, where we've got a group of doctors, clinicians, and researchers, sort of like the American College of Bariatric Surgeons, where they're now coming together, working on the standard of care working in a way that is collaborative so that they can bring it forward um, to the medical community. And these are the things that, you know, for us is really important. We've managing to help um, uh, for a brain cancer trial at Cedars-Sinai Hospital. But, you know, if we can help these pilot studies get through, these 10s and these 12s and these 20s, then they can go to the NIH to get these bigger grants. You know, because a study like what Dr. Walls is doing, uh, the Walls Protocol, they're, they're two, three million dollars for small ones. You know, that's a lot of money. Mm. And this is how, by you supporting Keto Mojo, is how you can actually help make a difference because we believe the rising tide will lift all boats. Yeah, you're really changing the world. Well, yeah, a little, a little. You it's, are, it's, it's, you are. You know, look at it this way. My, Gemma and I, we don't have children. So what is our legacy? Is our legacy that we made a buck or is our legacy that we, we made a difference? And I'd be very happy to, to leave this world at a very ripe old age, having a great health span where I've lived a vibrant life within my community. And then, you know, if I drop down one that, you know, people might say, you know, hey, they left a good legacy. And that's, yeah. that to me is important. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
Well, Dorian, this has been so much fun. (laughs) Before we let you go, we always like to ask one more question. If you can give our audience one piece of advice, hopefully something they could start doing today. On can top be on of any all the topic. amazing things you already <laughs> shared. Yeah, you already gave so much great advice, but one final takeaway for everyone. You know, every day is a new day. You know, we all fall off the wagon and you just get yourself back up again and you move forward and you can affect change here and in the now. It's up to you. Nobody else is going to change you, but you yourself. Nobody was ever going to change me. I can have people till I'm blue in my face telling that, but until you make that decision that you want to change, that is the important part. And then once you start getting in, in, into it, you can realize that you can really create the optimized self. The tools, the information, the data, everything is there for you. And most of it is out there for free. And that to me is the important piece that comes on in. Don't go chasing ketones. Chase results. Those are the most important things that is in a life. Use our medium. We are the training wheels, but then cast us off when you don't need us. If you need a reboot, bring it back on in, in into that respect. Um, but yeah, and remember, don't get caught up on too many things. People try to get into too deep. It is adequate fat, moderate amount of protein, lots of above ground leafy vegetables. Pretty easy keto. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Great advice, amazing resources, a wealth of knowledge. We're so happy to have had this conversation. I feel like we could go for hours, but we're so lucky that you have an amazing website. So again, go check it out and support the Keto Foundation. I'm so happy to know that just um, buying Keto Mojo goes to an amazing cause. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Dorian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Biohacking.